I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. Hi, I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. In this episode, I interview superstar of The Apprentice, Khadija Khalifa. She is an eco-cleaning business owner, a blogger, a self-confessed mumpreneur, and now she is the superstar of The Apprentice, having made it to the final six of series 13. I had an absolute ball interviewing Khadija having met her a few years ago and seeing an epic rise from where she started from humble beginnings in a small family-run business to now being on The Apprentice with Lord Sugar. And in this interview, we're going to see how presenting, pitching and public speaking has featured within her rise to superstardom. Khadija, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. It's an absolute honour to have you here. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Hello and welcome to my interview with Khadija Khalifa. Hi Khadija. Hey. So this is for the Presenting Pitching and, I can't even say the name, Presenting Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. I'm here in the Progressive Property Studios with the awesome apprentice star Khadija Khalifa. And I'm going to be interviewing her, I'll do part of it on the live and then we'll finish that. So if you've got any questions that you want me to pose to Khadija, now is the time to do it. So welcome and thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast, so obviously the questions that I ask are going to be related to this, but I want to know everything there is to know. So just to give you an intro to who Khadija is, you are eco-cleaning company owner, Open and Pale, you are blogger, you are serial mumpreneur, and now Apprentice Superstar, (laughs) and the final six of The Apprentice 2018. Welcome, thank you so much for coming along. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So, I've got a a load of different questions, I've had some posed by different people as well, so in regards to this obviously presenting pitching and public speaking is what the podcast is about Mm -hmm. you've done an awful lot of that to get where you are Mm. i know there are tens of thousands of people who apply for the apprentice every year yeah what made you apply um because i guess like everyone else don't you always watch it and think oh i could do that (laughs) so i literally used to watch it i've been a fan for years and just think to myself why are they making such stupid mistakes or why are they doing this or why are they doing that Lo and behold, I can't use a jet wash when I own a cleaning company, but whatever. Um, Yeah, I guess I just thought, you know, I love business. I love sales. I love meeting people. I actually applied last year and they uh, emailed me to go for an interview. And my busy mum put her schedule. I missed the interview. I missed the email. I didn't even see the email. So then, um, yeah, this year, uh, Simon applied for me and... Yeah, I don't know. I just got the interview and then I went and I thought, oh, I'll just go and take a punt and see how it goes. I did, if I'm honest, I really did think I'd actually get on. I thought it'd just be really cool if I got down to the, you know, that last 35 or something. So the fact I'm on it and now I'm final six is like, wow, has this just happened? <laughs> you should be so proud of yourself. I know you have tons of fans on and followers all over social media. We'll talk a little bit about that shortly yeah. too. But what has been the most kind of difficult part for you since the application process? Um, hmm, that's a good question. What has been the most... Do you know the most difficult, and we were just talking about this before we came on, is finding clothes to wear. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> because all of these interviews... So just so you all know, I came to this uh, podcast interview in the same dress that I wore for the podcast interview with Catherine Turner. And then I realised on the way in, so I qu- quickly ran into Tesco and grabbed a dress from outfit. That's the hardest thing. Like, I'm a mum. My priority is making sure that my kids are dressed nice and that they've got, like, nice coats and that everything's clean. I wash their blankie and teddy all the time because, you know, I'm over the top of that. 
But then I forget about myself. Yeah. And I just quickly wash my hair and let it dry naturally and then wear the same easy to fit on dresses because they just cover the mum tum and they're easy <laughs> to put on. So the hardest part, weirdly, is like making sure I've got a good enough wardrobe for all of these interviews and stuff. Which I'm guessing is something that you had no idea would be the difficult no. part. I mean, you've been through some really tough tasks spend time away from your children but you never imagine that that is going to be the most difficult listen thing. the struggle is real you have to look good when these things start happening we've already had like we're both oh you can't see because of the laptop we're both wearing all black we've both complained so, that our hair isn't the way it should be we've retouched lipsticks and the separate, spots so. the spots <laughs> actually you can't see which is quite good the bag's under my eyes but um, we've had this conversation and it's nice to know that people who are in the limelight exactly as you are that you're a real person Thank I think that's you. one of the most having watched you know pretty much everything to do with you from start to finish we've we met probably two and a half three yeah. years ago now everything from start to finish we've kind of followed each other on social yeah, media and I've got to say from the perspective of seeing you sat in the audience of events our women building wealth events thinking you know I've set up my business I'm doing really well with it what else can I do to where you are now I've got to say is absolutely phenomenal so I know you 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 hear a lot of this shit sometimes don't you it's very weird that you hear that you've got so many people behind you and you know that we are all really proud of you and to know you so I think it's really important for you to know that too so that leads on to the question of you've had a few little nicknames Kadiva oh love it (laughs) Do you care what other people about what other people say or think about you? Are we keeping are we keeping this um PG? No, not I my don't podcast give a PG. shit. <laughs> I don't give a flying beep. No, I could not care less. Like the positive people, yes, love it. Thank you. I uh, the other people that just want to hate. And do you know the funniest thing is that I realise the ones that are saying like really shitty stuff. I click on the profile, they've got 11 followers. <laughs> so, like, you set up this profile last night, you're really trying to jump on the bandwagon with the hashtag The Apprentice, but you're not going to get any of my time. So, please, focus on your own destiny and your own successes. And to be honest, this is a big thing for me because I was always a people pleaser. Like, I always wanted to make sure that everyone liked me. Yeah. And that can become like an illness. Like, I would literally go home when I worked for the Ombudsman. And say to Simon when I was pregnant, oh, you know, I said morning to them all and they didn't say morning back or I did this and they didn't invite me for lunch. And that is a a horrible way to live your life, to care so much about what other people think of you. Honestly, ever since I've started to network with like-minded people like you, like Rob, and seeing people that are strong and like, okay, the more successful they become, the more haters they get. And it just makes you more and more thick-skinned. So maybe four or five years ago, I would have cried every time someone said something. Now I don't give a shit and it feels good. (laughs) So just to clarify, she doesn't give a shit. Just in case I didn't say enough. (laughs) I think that's an awesome way to be. And we've obviously spoken about this in the past. I am the eternal people pleaser that's the way that I used to be Mm. always cared what people think and I think you do get to a point in your life when you realise and it was actually information from Rob it was a quote from Rob Moore to say people are going to judge you anyway I know they make a decision within the first three minutes and that's why we worry about oh I've got a spot of bags under my eyes or the way that my hair looks people are going to judge you anyway Mm. but although there's a small minority and you've had some awful things said and posted to Mm. you so how does it make you feel when people in your family, the people who are close to you, and Simon, obviously the children are too young to see this yeah. now, how does it make you feel knowing that your family 
or obviously seeing see these things? That's, that's a good question, actually, because my sisters are very defensive, um, like sisters are. There's three protective. of us, and even my, yeah, even my brother, that's the word, protective. So my sister, um, for the first few episodes, would message me like, what? And send me screenshots. And it got to the point where I just said to her, please stop. Like, I just don't need that negativity in my life. Not that it's her fault. I just don't want to see it. And then if I choose to go on Twitter, and I don't know why, out of all the social medias, Twitter is the most negative. Like, <laughs> does anyone see that? Like, Twitter's the one where all the trolls come out. Instagram and Facebook, it's like full of support. or love. And that, yeah, and Twitter's just like, we hate you. Um, so, yeah, my, my sister would get uh, affected the most. But now I think people have really seen a different side of me. I think last week was a turning point for people to see that I'm not a robot. And the positivity is way, is outweighing the negativity so much. So yeah, they're not really, they're just proud of me now. So they're not bothered about what the others say. Good. I think that's great that you've got that support network, you know, in everything that you're doing. You need that support network is exactly what we're seeing around you. Because there are some people who will just hate for the sake of hating. Mm. Um, So obviously focusing on the presenting, pitching and public speaking, did you have to do a pitch or a presentation when you first applied to oh the apprentice? Oh my God, yes, so many. So the, so the funniest thing is the first round of auditions, um, I won't give away too much because anyone wanting to apply for it, I think it's nice if it's a, yes. if it's a surprise, a secret. Um, but the first round of auditions uh, was your elevator pitch. And until I started networking really with all of you, like progressive and stuff and people, I didn't even know what an elevator pitch was. And so I was there and we all had a number and you had to step forward. I think I was like number six, but they went number six first. And I thought this has got to be a setup. Why are they picking, Why are they picking me? So uh, I stepped forward and I gave my elevator pitch. And thanks to the progressive community and other business communities that I'm a part of, I was like, I'm going to nail this. Like, I've done this before. Um, so I did it and I got a lot of feedback from other people that were in the group that were a bit like, oh, you were really good. <laughs> like, oh, sauce. Um, <laughs> really not, <yeah>. sorry. <laughs> and, then, and then it kind of, so after you did that, it got shortlisted down. And then obviously there's interviews. So you had to go through a, a face-to-face interview with several different people. Um, and I honestly think the thing that got me through was saying that I live my life by the, the motto or what's it called? Basically the shit sandwich uh, method of where you, when you have staff or children or whatever, you say something really nice, you say something shit and then you say something really nice. And I remember sitting in front of like a senior editor and him asking me, you know, how do you get by in business? How do you do this? And I said, um, can I say a swear word? <laughs> he was like, well, okay, yeah, go ahead. And I went, Basically, it's called a shit sandwich. Just going to let you know how it works. You say something really nice, you say something shit, you say something nice. I mean, in the um, in the interviews, I think, is it Matt Edmondson did a little thing with all of us? Yep. And I think I had to do two takes, one saying shit sandwich and one saying poo sandwich, just in case they wanted to use the other one. Uh, but <laughs> the watershed version. I th- the watershed. I think uh, being real and just saying it how it is, and that is, it does work. Yep. Everybody, it works. Um, I think being real and just putting it out there is what got me on. Definitely. I agree in that. One of the things that I've noticed from you and actually all of the other contestants, well, most of the other contestants, <laughs> is that consistency. You are the same. I think that comes back to you don't really care what other people think. And I think 
a lot of people say that, but mm. deep down they do. Yeah. And I think the fact that you from the start said, this is me, this is how I am. You've kept it real has definitely been one of the things that's pushed you forward and why obviously you've been so successful yeah. so far. So obviously you've done a number of different tasks on The Apprentice. I'm mm. going to do a mix of Apprentice questions and also pitch and presenting in public speaking because I actually think the two go hand in hand. Yeah. Obviously one of the most recent ones was a presenting task. Yeah. So of all of the tasks so far, which has been your favourite and why? Well, I have to say my task, don't I? <laughs> Obviously. Week two, MC Go-Go, um, because I let nobody else speak. <laughs> it was all my idea. And uh, no, honestly, MC Go-Go, I, I just loved the whole making a comic. Um, I also didn't think I was very creative. I think even when you've built a business and you've built a brand, if someone asks you, are you creative? Automatically you think about being an artist mm. or being something, but I am creative. I've created businesses. I've created logos. I've created branding, you know? So, um, yeah, that was fun for me. Also the TV selling task. I mean, I love that, but the most annoying thing is I thought I smashed it until I watched it. And I was like, Oh, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> How was it to watch back? Cringe. Hashtag cringe. Um, yeah, it was a bit cringy. I, I didn't realise I liked the word amazing so much. That's amazing. It was so amazing. I was like, oh my God, use a different word. I was looking at the telly like, use a different word. Do you know what? I think it's so common and yet none of us realise it. So obviously we do a lot of um, public speaking training. I run a lot of public speaking training days and we notice so often. I'm definitely guilty of it. Mine was obviously. obviously and obviously. Yeah. Or so. Oh, yeah. Instead of a pause, if I didn't know what I was going to say, so, so the start of a conversation, so, and this is exactly what I'd do. So watching yourself back is actually as much as it's painful. No one ever likes to watch themselves back. Yeah. We've just had this conversation before yeah. where Khadija's like, I don't like the way my hair looks and I'm like, I've got a lopsided face. <laughs> but the thing is, imagine if you let those things hold you back, oh. your fears around the way that people are going to perceive you or, you know, the fact that you've got those dog words. Some mm. people would let it hold them back. Mm. What would you say to anyone who's got those little fears or doubts, the idiosyncrasies where they think, well, my face doesn't look right or my voice doesn't sound right. Definitely yeah. something I struggled with being a scouser. Oh, I love your accent. I, I you. hate my accent. Everybody says to me, oh, I love your accent. And I'm like, oh, it's so boring. It's Monod so I feel like I'm so monotone. At least you're you've definitely got not monotone. To <laughs> yeah, I'm always up here. <laughs> One of our fears was when we, inter when we do this interview is, whether we'll actually speak over one another. Yep. Our biggest achievement so far, we let each other speak. All hail the ladies in black. We're professionals. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Um, so, here we go. Dog word. <laughs> so, you do a lot of public speaking, mm. whether you intend to or not. Yeah. Both on The Apprentice and obviously since you've started, mm. you've done so many different interviews, you've done uh, Facebook Lives, you've done a lot of events. So yeah. the switch on of the lights in Peterborough. That was You're insane. That was, uh, that was kind of last minute as well. I didn't know I was doing it. I was the surprise celebrity guest. So, really? Yeah, that was fun. So two questions off the back of that. One, how does it feel? This like new found fame and celebrity status did was it something that you were looking for is it a nice byproduct or do you dislike the fame part of it question one mm, mm. i mean i love people so 
I love meeting everyone. Uh, I turned on the Orton Centre lights as well, which is around Ooh. the corner from here at the weekend. Um, bit of a smaller affair, but so many people came up to me to, to ask for a selfie. I went round to all 15 storeholders and took a selfie with all of them. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to have a chat with them. And they had some really amazing products like bows and key rings. And the thing that made me a bit sad, and it, may, it actually resonated with me because this was me before, is I asked a lot of them, is this your business? And they said, oh, no, it's just a hobby. And I said, but, but it's not a hobby because you've you've given up your Saturday yeah. to come out in the cold to sit at a store to sell your items. This is a business and you just need the mindset of believing that it's a business. So I took a bunch of selfies. You can see on my Facebook, I, I posted them with all local entrepreneurs okay. and I called every single one of them an entrepreneur. And the thing that makes me sad and the reason that I'm so grateful for this newfound fame is that I think there's a lot of people out there who really want to change their life, mm. like really, really want to change their life. But they have this mindset, which I think all of us have grown up in maybe uh, from school or, or what I know Rob talks a lot about school and how we're taught to be this certain way. And I think it's true. I think the, the thing that prevents people from really changing their life is the fear of what other people say or whether it's going to be a mistake. Yeah. And these these people on, on Saturday were so talented and their products were amazing. I bought some of them while I was there. But to hear them say it's not a business and it's just a hobby really upset me a bit. Yeah. So the answer to the question is I am very grateful for this newfound platform because what I want to do with it is to do good things. Yeah. And whether I'm Khadiva or not, <laughs> deep down I am actually a kind person and all I want is to see the best out of people. So if I can do that now because people take me seriously because I've been on The Apprentice, then terrific. I might have gotten there before. I mean, I was already networking with you all before, so I was trying. Yeah. But this has kind of given me, you know, a real good push to be able to do things a lot sooner than maybe I would have done if I'd had to keep grafting by myself. Yeah. So grateful for it. And obviously you take it in your stride because you've, you know, we've just been talking about this before. You've said you run over to the shops over the road to go and buy clothes. Do you enjoy the people stopping you, you know, asking for selfies, asking for photos, asking for yeah, did anyone ask for a, uh, an autograph? No, oh, I'm waiting for that. Can I give you one? Khadija, can I have your autograph, Well, I'll please? think about it. <laughs> I'll show you it all after the live is finished. Yeah, so, do you know what? That's one thing that I'm like, is anyone going to ask that? Because I need to practice my signature. I'm going to be the first person to get Khadija's <laughs> autograph. Maybe we should do something for charity. Maybe we should oh, do something. Let's yes. figure something out. Let's do Let's it. Let's do that. Take some pictures and then sign them all. I mean, you know, that's the day when you've got that pile of books and you're like, ah, next, next, Let's see what next. we can do for it. Okay. <laughs> The mumpreneur tag. Yes. So there has been some people who love it, some people who hate it. You are a self-confessed mumpreneur. Yeah. You openly talk about your two daughters as well, which I personally love having, you know, two young children myself. And yeah. they are a big, big part of what I do. I know you've referred to your, your daughters, your family as your reason why. Yeah. How difficult was it being away from your children for that space of time while filming? Oh, it was the worst. You know, like I said, earlier on my resting bitch face wasn't just because of irritating people or stupid decisions it was because mainly I was away from my children and I think you know before I had kids when people used to talk about the kids they used to be like oh here she goes bloody hell I've heard about your kid a million times but genuinely when you become a parent it's like that is it they're your life you know if they sneeze you literally oh my god what's wrong with them if they laugh oh it's the cutest thing in the world if they you know if they're not eating oh my god why are they you know your your life revolves around these two innocent little humans and one thing that I found uh quite frustrating about being in business 
is um, that I feel like when you're in business, you have to just pretend that you're just this single business person. Like it's just Khadija. Yeah. But actually I'm not just Khadija. Half of me or the part, most part of me is my kids is dedicated to them. And one thing that I want to do is try and open up business so that we can, you know, include, I've just moved offices. And the first thing I said to the landlord of the new offices, it's a building that's being renovated in Orton Southgate. And the first thing I said is, can we get a crash in here? And he was like, I like that idea. He calls me KK. He went, I like that idea, KK. Actually, yeah, let's think about it. I went, yeah, let's get a crash. Why not? Like my new office, we've made a little corner. We've got some little million suites that the kids can come in and, and treat themselves. Like everything in my mind is about making business and being a parent together. Yeah. And that's why I call myself being a mumpreneur. So yes, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. I mean, you don't have access to your phone. It's one call a week, uh, you know, up to two months you're in the process for um and obviously I've been there at this point by quite a long time so there's a lot of emotion and I think one thing about it though it's it's proven to me I mean I had guilt all the time every time I went to bed I thought oh these poor kids they're going to sleep every night without me and that made me sad but equally I thought I am going to change their life and Soraya literally is like mummy this is you on the apprentice again mummy had had teacher I think it's the deputy head stands outside when we walk into school and every Thursday he goes oh watch you last night and she the both of them are just listening to him talk about me and I think you know how many other kids at her school have got a mummy that's been on telly so it was worth it definitely worth it and that's one of the things that we discussed obviously before we started the podcast the reason being the reason I ask is myself and I know many other people having spoken to them at the training days or online. We get a lot of people kind of commenting on online on Facebook, on LinkedIn or sending messages is asking me about it. So I'm going to ask you about it and see your opinion is yeah. do you still suffer now from the mum guilt yeah. days away, not dropping them off at school, mm-hmm. missing things, not because you've chosen to do it, but because you've chosen to do it for business or for the better future. Do for you sure. still suffer from it? Oh my God. So the thing at the minute, Soraya says to me all the time, so I get the nursery that Talia goes to, to pick Soraya up a couple of days a week from school. I say a couple, like three days a week. And all she says is, mummy, do you pick me up today? Oh, I can't even say it, I get emotional. She says, mummy, on a Monday, are you picking me up today? Do you pick me up today? And I say, no, darling, it's not me today. It's preschool. Oh, I wanted you to pick me up. Oh, darling, mummy picks you up on Wednesdays and Fridays. Okay. Then Wednesday comes her. Literally last Wednesday, five times in the morning, she says, oh, God, don't get emotional. She says to me five times in the morning, mummy, it's Wednesday today. You're picking me up, aren't you? Literally five times. And I can't lie. It got to later on in the afternoon on Wednesday and I had so much stuff to do at work. And I was tempted to call the preschool and ask them, can you put Soraya up today? But I could not do that. This kid had told me five times in the morning, mummy, you pick me up today. You pick me up today. So I don't care. You know, there was one day uh, a few weeks ago, she had got so upset about the fact that I wasn't picking her up that I called the preschool. Bearing in mind, I still have to pay for it. Yeah. And I said, don't pick, it's okay. Don't pick her up today. I'm going to pick her up because I felt so guilty. I mean, there's also the other side that childcare costs a bloody fortune. And so <laughs> when you're building your business and you're not really paying yourself the way you should be and you invest in everything back in it's a strain, you know, um, that's another thing that I'm going to try and push for is I think that everybody should get help before their children, their child turns three. I know when everybody's child turns three, you get some help with childcare. That really baffles me because after you've had the child, it's surely the time when you need the most help. Couldn't agree more. I just don't get it. You need the most help, the most support, whether it's your first or your eighth 
child. You yeah. need the help, you need the support. A lot of people want to get back into work because, and I believe that a big part of the, the guilt that we feel, and I'm not just, I'm calling it mum guilt, but it's not necessarily mum guilt. It's parent, parent guilt. or carer yeah. guilt in this respect. It's obviously because we're both females, but that guilt of do I make the decision too? And I, I suffer that personally in terms of, you know, I, I live in Liverpool, I drive to Peterborough to do mm. my training days. And sometimes, you know, recent this week, mm. it was giving the boys a kiss goodnight and I'm going to be leaving a you know, half four tomorrow morning. So mummy won't be here for the next three days. Mm. And there's a little bit of the, oh, mummy, I don't want you to go. I know, don't. But okay. then there is, you know, but this is going to, it gives mummy the time to do this. It means that mummy's going to work. And do you remember when mummy used to work in a job? And I wouldn't see you on Saturdays, yeah. but mummy's going to be here all day Saturday. And I think it's it's beneficial to know that even people in the position that you are, you've done this for, to better your children's lives mm-hmm. and you will continue to do it. I'm pretty certain yeah. that you suffer from it, but also it's knowing that the, the long game and knowing that the goal is well worth it. Obviously having a support network around you. So yeah. having preschool, having, you know, your, your family, your other half, your, br- you, your yeah. brothers and sisters to support you out is imperative. But I think that holds a lot of people back from starting up in business yeah. or from, in this respect, moving into kind of the and, public speaking field. And it's really emotional because as soon as I start to talk about it, as soon as you started to talk about it, I got emotional for you and yeah. you're getting emotional for me because you feel that pain. I think what you can do for your children is communicate. So Saray is four, Talia is two, and both of them speak really well. Like people are surprised. Talia can like sing the alphabet. They're both quite advanced. And I say to them all the time, but Saray, remember you said you wanted to go to Disneyland. Remember you said you wanted that big house and you want a pony. Remember you said you want a swimming pool. Well, guess what? Things like that don't just happen. And mummy and daddy have to work really hard. And if she asks for a toy, like every time we go in the shop, it's like, I want this, I want that. And yesterday... I'm usually quite weak because of mummy guilt. Yeah. I give in. Yeah, oh, yeah, but I've not seen them, so they've got to have a toy. Um, so yesterday I said to them, no, it's nearly Christmas, and mummy and daddy work really hard, and we can't spend all of our money on toys that you've already got, remember? And so I just really tried to teach them that mummy's working hard for a reason, yep. because I want them to have nice things and because I love them so much, and I'm trying to look after them, you know? Couldn't agree more. It's teaching them life lessons and also teaching the the children that you know the value of money and the value of your time yeah but I also think that from the perspective one of the the concerns is and I get I still get it quite often and I'm sure people have said it to you or if not you can correct me Mm. you know how can you spend that much time away from your children Mm. is it the right thing to do and this has been people who are close to me and it's not their fault it's not them you know they just don't understand Mm. it definitely a mindset part but they often don't take into consideration the fact that you might work three or four days a week or you might only pick your daughters up, you know, two, three days a week. But then when you take time off, so for me, it's like all over, you know, a month off over Christmas, six weeks of summer holidays off Mm. where you can be there with them. People don't often see that. So to anyone who is feeling that parent guilt or those, you know, fears or doubts of whether they should put the effort in, because it is hard work setting up a Mm. business. It's undoubtedly hard work doing what you've done Mm. throughout the the apprentice and continue to do to promote what you're doing now and to, you know, the long goal be, and you want to help people in business, you want to help people get started and that support. I know you do a lot for charities. Yeah. So for anyone who was concerned about that and knowing there is some pain there what would you say I would say you need to do what feels right for you so I was a stay-at-home mum with Soraya for six months and I suffered the worst postnatal depression like I she was born unwell in the first place so it's like post-traumatic stress disorder but I used to have nightmares all the time it wasn't until she was a year old that I went to see the doctor all I can say for me and my mental health if I didn't have this 
I would be so depressed. So I've been very real lately online about mental health in business and being a parent. And let's, I've got to be honest about it. You know, I was on antidepressants for a long time. I came off them and then I started feeling a bit up and down again. And uh, I watched Real Housewives of Cheshire and there's (laughs) one on there called Tanya Barnsley. And she openly spoke about the fact that she's been on uh, antidepressants and she's got a lovely life. She's married to a footballer. She's been on antidepressants for five years. I think there's a lot of mums and dads that have children and don't realise how bloody hard it is and are too scared to say I'm struggling like I've got no money everything's going on childcare. you know I I feel like the kids need new shoes but their feet are growing so quickly and it's so expensive and I can't afford Clark's shoes all the time and so I need to get them Tesco ones but they're a little bit big and they don't fit right like there's so much real shit that people don't talk about um and for me that's what I want to do listen I know that i put a lot on my shoulders and I put a lot on my plate and I do still suffer with with mental health you know my mum suffered with it it's hereditary so and I have underactive thyroid which can make it even worse um so recently I've been talking to the doctor about going back on the tablets and I'm not ashamed to say that it's taken me years to be able to openly say like this on a podcast if you need help get the bloody help do what you need to do to make yourself feel better but in my position if I was a stay-at-home mum and I didn't have this to keep me going I would be a lot more depressed than what I am now because it's things like this coming and talking to like-minded nice loving people like you that no but genuinely I mean I tried it I used to stay at home breastfeeding and and not seeing anyone for days and everyone was out working Mm. and I felt like no one cared about me and it was just me and this baby like that might suit some people that didn't suit me yeah so I get the mummy guilt but equally you know I wouldn't be a good mum if I was at home full time and I'm feeling resentful for that life so I'm doing what makes me feel good I totally agree with this and as you say it's talking to like-minded people because quite often people don't vocalize this no they don't you know they talk about you see all of the good stuff particularly on social media you know when people are presenting anything on social media it's always the good like stuff six it's holidays. always six holidays I've got six holidays I've got five cars I've got this I'm like listen I haven't even got five dresses I wear the same one <laughs> over and over again let's keep it real this sister's still hustling right now and those people might have six holidays yeah. but quite often it's six holidays but they're feeling sad or they're feeling depressed and they're not sharing that with other people and I think it's so refreshing and I I come back to what I said before I think the part of you being so real so honest so open has definitely propelled you in The Apprentice because people like people whether you know people sometimes disagree and I know people in The Apprentice Mm. have definitely disagreed with what you've said or you've done in some instances but I've also heard and read a lot online about people saying who you know talking about past Apprentice Mm-hmm. Um, candidates who've now left or been fired let's mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. saying that actually you were a shoulder to cry on and yeah. you were there and you were supportive so obviously it's going to be edited to see some certain parts you yeah. use the example of you know the shit sandwich or the poo sandwich yeah do you think it's a true representation of you yeah because I'm a feisty cow let's be honest <laughs> like the, the, you're like I've got a good heart and stuff but I am feisty as um but that is because I think you see, I mean, the ironic thing is that Lord Sugar is very determined. He's, uh, so is Karen, so is Claude, all of them. And I think every entrepreneur you meet has an element of aggression. Mm. Not that I'm calling them aggressive, but... 
assertive. I kind of am. Um, but yeah, assertive. Um, and that's the thing. So to me, I don't see aggressive as a um, as an insult. I actually think, well, every entrepreneur that I see or follow or think is endearing mm. is a little bit aggressive. Yep. Look at Bob when he's doing his lives. He's got F left, right and centre. I mean, some people could say that aggressive. that's aggressive. To me, I'm like... He's passionate. Yep. He's driven. He he wants to show to the world that you can all do this. And if that's him shouting and getting and, and swearing a bit, if people take that as aggressive, just man up is yep. all I've got to say. <laughs> um, because it's not aggressive, it's passion. And um, and that's all I am is passionate. That definitely shows through. Passion is about everything that you're doing. One of the things I wanted to ask in terms of, because I know obviously we're still following you on social media and anyone who is a scene that you've recently done your first paid speaking gig yeah. so well done first of thank all thank you yeah do you believe that those skills in being able to sell effectively whether it's selling yourself to to get the position on the apprentice or sell yourself as the right taskmaster or the right um project manager on the apprentice or in real life you know the presenting yourself well to get a business loan or to increase the space within your business whatever do you think that your speaking skills have helped you there oh for sure and you know what i went to that it was my first paid speaking gig I had no PowerPoint presentation. I had no cue cards. I had nothing, just me. And that was a choice. You know, I could have stayed up the night before and prepared, but why? So I can stutter and forget which bit I'm meant to be talking about. I think to be a good speaker, you need to be authentic. Yep. And I am just me. I might go to a business uh, or go to a bank and ask for some lending and they might not take to me, whatever. Then I'll go to the next one and they might not. I'll go to the next one. You know, eventually someone's going to like me for being me. And when I spoke um, at the university, I was there talking about hustle until your haters ask if you're hiring. That's one of the quotes <laughs> that I love. And the reason for it is when I told a group of friends from school that I was starting up a cleaning business, three and a half years ago, whatever it was, one of them said to me, um, why would you do that? You're not going to earn any money. No one earns money in cleaning. And I got pissed off and I went to wash up in the kitchen and she came in and said, why are you being funny for? And I said, listen, you're in my house. This is my dream. I've put a lot of time into it. Whether you think it's a joke or not, I, I've taken it seriously. And by this point, I had Opal and Pearl, the brand. I've been thinking about it for weeks. And you're mocking me. That's rude and disrespectful. Yeah. I would never do that to anyone. So safe to say, I asked her to leave my house. And then um, 18 months later, guess who called me for a job for having a mum? Oh, we weren't recruiting at the time. What can I say? <laughs> um, but hustle until your haters ask if you're hiring. So what I did when I was standing there, you know, I like to keep it real with the students. And uh, I'm saying like, uh, you know, Drake uses YOLO. I know it was a few years ago, but hashtag YOLO, uh, you only live once. And I think what resonates with the kids is that I am not trying to be too posh yep. I'm not trying to be you know this big corporate woman I'm actually just a girl uh you know I don't even I still feel like I'm 16 but I'm just this mum that's hustling and I'm trying to keep it real and they obviously you know really warmed to me because afterwards I had a swarm of students and every single one of them wanted a selfie and I handed out the certificates and they're studying business and law and I studied law and um that was it was you know, forget whether I got paid or not. It was great that I did get paid so that yeah. I could take the kids to Disneyland or whatever. Um, but equally, I just felt good. Yes. I felt good after. And that's the thing I love about speaking is that when people come up to you after you've you've spoke to them and say, do you know what? 
you you taught me this or yeah. I remember watching you Catherine Rebecca and Jackie and sitting there listening to your stories and what you've achieved and I got one a VIP ticket and you gave me a little bag with Lord Sugar's book we did you, remember? you gave me Lord Sugar's book it was oh. our suggestion oh, see? <laughs> I owe you big time um but I remember watching the four of you and thinking you know what good for them they're standing up there and they're being real they're holding they're putting their heart on their sleeve they're telling us how it is you told us a bit about your life and I thought, you know, people like yourselves inspire me and I see people speaking and being real. And that's just what I'm trying to do. And you're definitely doing that. So inspiring people and being real. Do you still get nervous when you're delivering a presentation, a speech, a pitch of any sort? I mean, I'd like to say no, but you can hear it in someone's voice, right? Sometimes when I'm talking to you now, I can hear, oh, no, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, like there's a fog in my throat or something. Um yeah, I think everybody gets nervous, but you have to channel those nerves. All I ever think about is like Queen Bee, aka Beyonce. I think, you know, she's a mum of three and she's up on stage like, oh, the single ladies. Oh. And I'm thinking like, surely she gets nervous. She's a human, but she's fierce. And so she's got her alter ego, right? Yeah. Sasha Fierce. And so I was saying to Catherine, my alter ego will now be Kadiva. And like so it. as soon as I step on stage, we'll have Kadiva. And then when I get off, I'll be insecure little mum that's got no clothes that <laughs> is like wiping bogeys off her dress or something, you know? Like, so, so we've got an alter ego here. <laughs> Kadiva is the alter ego. I think that's awesome. And I actually completely agree that being a little bit nervous is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I actually think if you're not nervous, then you're probably not going to give the best performance. And I call it a performance, but presentation, pitch, mm. sale, speech, whatever it might be. And I think the fact that if you are, if you are a little bit nervous, it shows that you care. Mm-hmm. And a big part of what we teach in everything to do with pitching and presenting and public speaking in general is that people don't connect with you unless you genuinely care. And mm. I'm so, so proud that that came across, obviously, on oh, our yeah, Women Building Wealth sure. and came, Women Building Wealth event and came across to you, is that, and this is something that's taught to us by my mentor, Rob Moore, is to have um, gratitude for the ability to be there, mm-hmm. but also focus on service and how you can help other people. So it's never about, you know, you are the, one of the most down-to-earth people. You come in, we have a laugh and a joke. <laughs> we hug, we talk about normal stuff, like complaining about, you know, a spot yeah, or yeah. A bags under your eyes. And I think that keeping it real is really important. But I also think that element of the reason I do that and the reason I feel like this is because I care about the people that I'm supporting, mm-hmm. whether I'm helping them or whether I'm presenting to them. I think it's so important. So you're kind of mirroring everything that we're saying and that, that works oh, really well for me. Thank you. Ever been lost for words on stage or off stage when you've been, you know, asked a question, when you've been interviewed, have you ever been lost for words? Are me and you ever lost for words? <laughs> I think we're doing <laughs> quite well. <laughs> um, am I lost? I mean, sometimes I worry that I'm going off on a tangent. That, that, um, that worries me. I've kind of, I think I'm mastering how to pull it back. So people think that I'm going off, but I've remembered the question in my head and I'm pulling <laughs> it back, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think because I've got so much that I want to say mm-hmm. and I've got so many people that I want to help. I mean, for me, you know, mental health and depression as a, as a mum is something that I want to help. Uh, relationship breakdown is another thing. I was saying to Catherine, I want to help people if they're going through that. Another thing, starting your own business and not having the confidence, the mindset to do it. There's so many areas that I want to assist with because I've been through it yeah. that sometimes I can feel like maybe I'm trying to cram in too much into one thing. So just being able to focus on, you know, 
whoever I'm talking to, I need to adapt what I'm saying to them. So I wouldn't say I get lost for words. Maybe I've got too many words. (laughs) (laughs) It's a problem I have too. First world problem though. Yeah. So never lost for words, which is a good thing because, and I think that shows because you're passionate about what you're, you're focusing on, whether that's, and I know you blog quite a lot and obviously you're going to turn that into, to a book. Yeah. And this is, I think, really important for people who are listening who maybe want to understand how they can get into building a business, presenting or public speaking in any format, that actually it doesn't have to be, I'm an expert in this particular field or I've studied this for the past 10 years. Mm. What you're talking about there is things that you've experienced and not even necessarily, you know, this is an amazing thing that I've experienced. Quite often the thing that connects with others is I went through this really tough time and I'm out the other side and I want to help you too. So talking about mental health, whether it be of the past or currently and how you manage that on a day-to-day basis, overwhelmed, dealing with, haters and trolls whether that's in everyday life or people who are you know being bullied in their workplace or whatever or whether it's from you know online where everyone can see it and I think it's great that although everyone can see it you have those people who jump to your defense automatically yeah Catherine Turner being one of them definitely so I think it's good that you're using those experiences to help and support other people as well so if am I all right to do some quick fire questions let's go oh I love these okay best piece of advice you've ever been given Oh, 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 God. I'm like, I love these and I can't think. Best piece of food. Shows it's a good question if you've got to think. Yeah, it is a good question. Do you know what? Simon actually said, I mean, Simon is not very business savvy at all. And we've had a lot of arguments where he just doesn't get the mindset. But he did give me one piece of advice when I was getting frustrated with why staff colleagues didn't, see the vision and why mistakes were happening and his advice to me was you need to remember what it was like for you when you were an employee I was like hmm okay and then he was like did you care about the CEO did you care about the MD did you actually give a shit about what they were doing did you think that they just had loads of money and went on loads of holidays did you really care about the bigger picture like, no, I didn't. I just cared about how many days holiday I got. And if I'd get away with it, if I called in sick, you know, or they're going to put me. So him telling me to get into the mindset of an employee really opened my eyes. And it made me realise that I was expecting them to think like me, but they weren't ever going to think like me because it wasn't their business. And as much as I can try and involve them and get them excited and bring them to events that we go to, it will always be my business and so I think that's important definitely when you're looking to scale up because in order for you to get big you need to start recruiting people or you need to outsource or whatever equally you're going to end up working with people whether it's your accountant or your marketing manager or whoever you need to understand that they will never ever think about your business the way you think about your business and that's what I used to struggle with so yeah big up to Cy one of the best pieces of advice came from him I wonder if he's ever known that he's given you those that bit of advice or whether he's even realised that it's made such an impact on I you I mean I well nice. he doesn't give that many so that was <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really like clutching at straws here but thank you Sai she loves you really <laughs> yeah. worst piece of advice you've ever received ooh worst piece of advice probably like I said when uh, when that friend told me that a cleaner business will never earn any money not really advice more of a statement yeah um but don't do it because you won't make a success of it. Yeah, don't do it. And and people telling me to take it easy. 
So I've had a twitchy eye for the last like month. <laughs> like, it's, and but everyone I've spoken to, even Josh that works here, I said to him, oh, "I've got this twitchy eye," and he went, "Oh, I get that when I'm stressed." Stress. And everyone said, "You know, when you're stressed." But there's some people that if you say to them, "I've got twitchy eye," and they'll say it's stress, and then they'll say, "You know, you do need to slow down, have a break, have a." No, I'm not. <laughs> Shut up. I'll live with the twitchy eye for the next two years, you know? Like, I, I can't. I just can't. I mean, what kind of a person would I be to have worked this hard, to have got to this point, to then be like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to slide down a bit. No, I'm not. I've organically grown this business over the last four years, and it's definitely not in the place where I want it to be. It's probably not in the place where it could have been if I didn't have children. Yeah. Uh, if, I had, if I didn't have children, let's be honest, I, I could have grown it. You know, I could have given every single minute of my life yeah. to it. Equally, if I didn't have children, don't know if I ever would have started it. Totally, totally relate to that. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the worst piece of advice that anybody can give an entrepreneur is to chill out. Yeah. I, I get that it's always from a good place, but it, it doesn't help because we're not going to. I think it's different things for different people as well. Some people need that break and need that time to calm down because they need to focus and they need to function. But also I think it's a big part of your makeup. I am the eternal person who forever says, oh, I need a break, I need to rest. I've got so much on at the minute. And then I have a break, as in I've got nothing booked in. And (laughs) Chris, my husband Chris, will be like, oh, we'll have a chill out day and we won't do anything. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like tapping my fingers and I'm like, I need to go out. And he's like, you want to go out, don't you? You're bored and you're restless. I'm like, yes. And then I'm off and I'm out doing things and I've got to keep busy. So I think it's it's part of your nature. And ultimately, I think I would sum that advice up as don't tell people to be something that they're not and don't tell them to kind of go against the grain of who they are. If you want to be busy, if you want to twitchy, I make it be part of your brand. I'm twitchy. But a thing that that you mentioned there is actually, it sums up a phrase that I've definitely used in all areas of life. And it's when you, you look back at how far you've come but you also know this is not where I want to be. So what you've achieved in your, you know, in your eco cleaning businesses or someone I know that growing that brand with your product and pushing them forward. But you look back and you could go, Oh, we've done all right. Let's stop here. Let's chill out. Let's kind of take our foot off the brake a little bit. But also from the other perspective, you stand there and you look at how far you could be, where you could be, what it Mm -hmm. could grow into. Mm -hmm. And the phrase that I think sums that up. So if you're listening on the podcast and you want to steal this, feel free. And it's that I haven't come this far to only come this far. Oh, I love that. Haven't come this far to only come this far. I'm moving forward. I'm striving forward. And it's okay. If I want to take a bit more time out, if I want to put another 110% Mm. in, I'll do what's right for me. And if the break is right for you or the six weeks off or the, you know, holiday or the slowing it down that's fine but you can't have everyone work to the same guidelines but my thing is that so I'm 29 now and I've told everyone for the last two years that by the time I'm 35 hold me to this people because I need to be accountable by the time I'm 35 I need to be financially free so I mean I don't mean you know retiring but I mean that I want to be in a position where I've got everything that I need. I've got my house. I've got the car. You know, I can help my mum out. I can help my family. I can help yeah. Simon's family, the kids, um, by the age of 35. So all I think in my head is that there's this stop clock. And I think that's really important. I think it's really important for uh, entrepreneurs and actually people in general to always have something to work towards Definitely. because otherwise you just exist And I don't want to just exist. I want to make sure that, you know, I continually set myself targets. And whether that is, you know, I told the kids when I came back from the show that I'd take them to Disneyland and I haven't got around to doing it yet. So in my mind, the target is by February, we're going to Disneyland and I will make that happen because I've got the target. Also the target, I'll be financially free by 35. Um, I joke about, you know, as I get closer, I'll push it back a bit. (laughs) But, um, But 
having the targets and always pushing yourself towards it is what helps me. If you're target driven, I think you could tell I'm a salesperson. Yeah. If you're target driven, I think that does help you being an entrepreneur because you're constantly striving to hit the next target. Two things that you hit upon there, and I think this is relevant to everyone who's listening from the public speaking perspective of it, is to have a goal and it not just be a goal, it be a plan. So with a date in mind, so mm-hmm. it, whether it's you know a business plan or whether it's I'm going to take the children to Disneyland Disney. by February, yeah. the accountability, saying it out loud, people hearing it and saying, oh, have you booked it yet? Have you taken the That's children? It. Is it organized? It's you know a massive driving force. And I think that kind of sums up the next question, which is where do you see yourself in five years time? Not just where do you see yourself? I hate that perspective from the recruitment angle, but where will you be in five years time? What's your goal? In five years time my products, everybody is going to have them in their house. Maybe not everybody, but, you know, quite a few people. Very Um, common on the market. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have my products out. I'm going to have helped at least, let's put a number on it so I can be accountable, at least five to ten mums get into business. I will also uh, try to get brain calling in as many hospitals as possible because my daughter was born unwell, so... That's something that is, uh, you know, sits quite strongly with me. Another thing is I'd like, Simon has helped me a lot in, in being my support. And, you know, I was, I was honest with Catherine that our relationship broke down for a while. And what I would like to do is be able to pay him back, not just monetary wise, yeah. but mainly monetary wise, he likes cars. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, just help my mum and stuff. So in, in five years time, I would like to have a nice house, you know, so the kids can have what they like. Maybe that swimming pool, if Surveyor wants it. Um, I just want to be happy. One thing that I think um, people don't understand is money is one of the biggest factors for people being depressed and for being down. And I will hold my hands up the last three and a half years raising two children and building a business has been a financial strain on our family. You know, running a business, sometimes you keep reinvesting and Simon's not understanding why we've got no money and he's worked all month. And we're arguing and I'm saying to him, listen, see the big picture, see the bit, you need to see the bigger picture. And it's very hard for someone to see the big picture if one, they're not with you every minute of the day seeing Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And two, if you've said it for three and a half years and it's not happened yet. Yeah. And but a business doesn't just happen like that. So having a support system is really important. Um, but ultimately, being accountable. So Catherine is making me accountable from this book. And I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And she says to me every time I speak to her, what's it's going on with yet. the book? Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I used to think is that you had to keep all this stuff to yourself. Like if you speak about it, people are going to think you're not doing as good as you are. Yeah. You have to put on this placebo that you're doing amazingly. And, and you know, but actually when I said to her, look, I really need to get this book done. I don't know what to do. And I'm stressing. Da, da, da. And now I've got someone who, you know, she probably doesn't lose sleep over me not not writing the book but in my mind I'm like she's going to have a go at me I've made the the commitment that's it I've made the commitment I've made the commitment to Simon that I've told him for the last three and a half years that I'm going to make enough money that you don't need to work and I'm going to make that happen so if you speak to people you're honest about what you want to achieve then it almost does make you feel like you owe something to them even though you don't but it helps a little bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders kind of t- saying it out loud but yeah. also a weight put back on your shoulders knowing that you can't just commit to it and not do it if you've said it out loud you've told people because there is no going back and if there's one thing that I've noticed in regards to you it's that you're driven and determined yeah. I think it's an amazing trait I think it's also a very common trait with a lot of entrepreneurs and it is you know there'll be setbacks and there'll be you know upsets along the way mm. but they're just 
stepping stones along the way to get to where you want to be. So I have no doubt that you'll be there in five years' time. Thank you. Touch wood. <laughs> no, no, touch wood. Make it happen. Yeah. Best speech you've ever given. Oh. Well, oh, God, good question. You said that three times. Just to let good you all question. know, I am a good She's interviewer. Got good <laughs> questions. It's difficult. Uh, best speech. I mean, lately, people that I'm talking to, I don't know. I just feel like I gel with them. Yeah. So a lot of the the talks that I've done lately just feel so organic and so natural. So it's hard for me to pick. I mean, I'm on Heart FM every Thursday and every time I chat to them, it's like so natural, so fun. Um, But in terms of speeches, like motivational speeches, I think what means the most to me is that from September I started working with uh, All Mist and Bushfield Academy which is my old secondary school actually the building was knocked down it's in autumn so like five minutes from here the building was knocked down and now there's a new academy um, in September I started helping them with their young enterprise and I know Joseph Valente he's been helping them as well he's from Peterborough yeah. he won the apprentice me and him have got quite uh, quite friendly now actually and we're looking to do some networking groups in the new year so that'll be awesome. fun yeah two well there's three people People from Peterborough that have been on The Apprentice, so that's pretty cool. Um, ah. So the thing that I'm I'm most proud of, and probably the best speech, is I've been motivating. Uh, there's probably about I think there's 23 of them in Year 12 um, to create products. So there's two teams, and one of them has created a slingshot, which is like a basketball hoop that you put on the back of the door for children to throw their laundry into. I like it. Yeah, my and kids would love that. One, a coloured one, and another one for whites. And so we've I was telling them things like, should we make it customizable? Because my kids would want it with Disney Princess and your yeah. boys would want it with something else. Yeah. So um, we went to the Pitch Perfect event that they had at the ABAT Stadium. And I've been working with them since September. And both groups did amazingly. But one of the groups with the hoop, the other one's got something called Keeping, which is like a, almost looks like a, a Stanley, not a Stanley knife, a flip knife. Or yeah, little, like but it's for Swiss keys, Army knife. But for keys, yeah. yeah. So that was quite cool. So to keep them all condensed. Um, cut a long story short, they won £100 first place awesome. in the pitch. And I heard that previous years when they've done it, that, you know, no one really took it seriously. But I went in and I made one of them project manager and one sub-team leader. And we split them up into groups and someone was the marketing. And I just felt that my contribution since September to now, going in there every week, I mean, I've been pretty harsh on them. One of them was like messing around and I'm like, listen, if you're not interested, you can you could go. I'll be honest, I'm not shocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a real life lesson of, like, you yeah. know, you can't mess about and have a little joke and, and still achieve what you want. 18, like, they're going they're going to leave school soon so you need to like grow up now that's when I grew up the most was I think sixth form um but watching them stand up and having a picture with them and win a hundred pound for this idea that they've all created and they're still doing it that made me feel uh I can't even describe it like the emotion because they're kids that grew uh, growing up in the area that I did Mm -hmm. uh, at the school that I went to my old head of year is now the headmaster so it's not necessarily one speech, yeah. but it's ongoing weekly visits of me motivating and giving up my time for free to go to the school every Thursday. And I make every Thursday is difficult for me because it's the day after the show and I have a column to write and radio uh, radio things to, to do. So the fact and obviously that, the conversation with the teachers outside the school on a Thursday, the important it takes stuff. Time, <laughs> takes time. So the fact that I commit to going there every Thursday and then they won just made me feel so proud. So Awesome. So it's, And I think that's important for people who are listening who want to do some speeches of any sort or some presenting that it's not always about you know the best gig is the one where you've had the rapturous applause and the mm. you know 
standard ovation or the one where you've earned a huge amount of money. It's quite often the way it makes you and other people feel because, yeah. and it's one of my favorite quotes. I've probably said it on pretty much all of the episodes mm-hmm. already. It's a Maya Angelou quote. And it is that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. Uh, and I think okay. for those people oh God, who- Oh that goosebumps. I can't lie. It's oh fab. There, yeah, and I think that's so true because those people who've, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds who've maybe got these ideas and, you know, it's never really been taken seriously and just having someone have faith in them, push them to achieve it and then be proud of them afterwards. I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah. So have you ever, what would you class as your worst pitch presentation or speech? My worst. Ooh. I'm making a thing today, worst? people. <laughs> what was my worst? We're probably trying to sell that pink blow-up chair on QVC, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing. She said, it's amazing. How many times is it? It's amazing. Bloody hell. I was looking at myself like, shut up. Just shut up. Um, that was what, I mean, at the time I thought it was doing great. And then sitting on it. And then did you see in the Daily Star? Oh. Khadija Khalifa x-rated, laying Ridiculous. on a blow you know what. Yeah, very, very funny. Oh, uh, we're oh. being intruded. The, the true celebrity. The man himself, the Mr. <laughs> Rob Moore. He's oh, walked yeah. in. You're not on the live anymore. No, not on the live anymore. You've been in here about two hours. Coincidentally Nothing. walked in at the point Khadija's just talking about sitting on a, a chair and lifting her legs in the did air. Did you see and... in the Daily Star, it was Khadija Khalifa x-rated for sitting on a blow-up chair, a.k.a. I something don't... naughty. I don't read the Daily Star. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Me either, but I saw it over social media. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put Rob on the spot here and ask him to ask Khadija one final question. Oh, we're doing a quick fire round. Uh, okay, so um, if you were going to go and do the Apprentice again, mm. having done it already, how would you play a different game, or what would you do tactically? It's like you read from my script. Ooh. I'd engage my inner Jackie and manipulate. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I would never do that. Um, I I genuinely would just do what I did. I would carry on just being myself. I can't be anything different. I wouldn't play any games. I wouldn't try to. One thing that I, that I might have done is just done my research a bit more and prepared a little bit more I kind of went into well, it find a little some bit. dirt and all the other contestants yeah yeah, yeah. like when she was 13 no I'm joking yeah. um no I I genuinely I can't be anything different this is what I've realized like I I could try but I just look so fake I just am who I am and in every single task I I just tried to be who I was I think in week two I might have just researched who Kim Jong-un was and maybe would have looked like a bit <laughs> less of an idiot um yeah but that probably, probably warmed you to some people yeah so I've got another one then Go um how are you going to leverage what's your plan of riding on the back of the fame if you call it or you know the um exposure of I, the apprentice i think the biggest thing i've learned is that i definitely need mentors and coaches so we should chat after this but my, well, I've do done you know this. my fees are expensive oh right? so. yeah well i'm on tv now hello <laughs> um that doesn't but, mean you get uh, a discount <laughs> <laughs> um i no i've gone this whole time and i always thought that spending money on coaches and mentors mm. like where do people expect me to find a grand a month where do people expect me to find like 24 grand a year this is ridiculous 
ridiculous. I'm a star. But actually, you know, I've, I've realised that the value that somebody can give me and the knowledge that they have, I, I wrote on one of uh, Rob's lives the other day that you're a gangster. I wrote, you're a gangster, Rob, because he shared about a book and I've been thinking about writing my book for so long. And then every time it comes to it, I'm like, oh, it's going to cost too much money. And I've spoke to publishers and they're like, oh, it's going to be this much. And I've got two kids, I can't really afford it. But actually, you need to speculate to accumulate, right? You need to, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hey. Um, but you do. Boom. Boom. Uh, but you, that's that's one thing. I've been trying to do everything so tight. Like, I've been, you know, clenching my, my pockets and my purse. Like, oh, I can't spend money because I haven't got it right now. But actually, if you find a way to get the bloody money, and I spoke to a millionaire the other day from Peterborough, sold his business for 12 million. And he said, Khadija, money is just a commodity. Find the bloody money invest in what you need to invest in be more risk-taking because right now all you're doing is you're earning a little bit and you reinvest in a little bit and you're earning a bit more and you reinvest in a bit more you need to go big and that's what i'm about to do i'm about to get mentors coaches i'm launching my products i'm getting the book out it's time to go hard or go home and i ain't going home i'll tell you that right <laughs> i love that why is it you, the word for that? Fierce. You Fierce. Use that. Kadiva. Kadiva. Kadiva's in the room. Kadiva. I like that. <laughs> That's great. You need a t-shirt with Kadiva on it. Trademark it. Trademark it. We've had so many ideas for businesses and for yeah. charities as a result of this. Right. So I want to say a huge thank you for coming along to the podcast. Thank Leaving you your hair so has... on your desk. Oh, this is me. Oh, my wife, I think that's true. My wife finds that. She's <laughs> it's ginger. That. It's mine. I know, I know a really great cleaning company that can help you with this. <laughs> I can actually vouch for the great cleaning company because yes. they clean my flat in Peterborough. So thank you so much. Thank this you. has been the Presenting Pitch in a Public Speaking Podcast. Podcast.